The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I have a very somber, serious, happy message for you today. I want to begin by prayer. Lord, you have called us together to speak to us. I ask, Lord, that your voice would be clear, uncompromising, and that our hearts would be ready to receive what you would say to us. Lord, would you please have your way? My heart is exhausted with the ways of man. It is your way we seek. In the name of Jesus, come Holy Spirit of the living God and quicken us, convict us, turn us, and make us holy. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, I'll begin reading in verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I have preached many times on faith, hope, and love, but I have missed perhaps the most important word in that entire sentence. And that word is remain. Remain. 
I am eager for things that remain. Everything is shifting and changing in our culture. Dramatically so. The church that I now know has no resemblance of the church I grew up in. The lack of piety, the friendship with the world, the constant turning to things of darkness. There's no rhyme or reason. It's change for success. It's change to do a better job of marketing. Whatever people want, let's give them. Let's take the cross out. Let's stop taking offerings. They might offend someone. I listened to a very popular preacher this morning. He was speaking on this passage of Scripture. He began his sermon by talking about Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he began to preach on how necessary it was for that which remains to be solid and stable. He said all the right words. He quoted Hebrews talking about make every effort to live in peace with all men. This is Hebrews 12, verse 14. And to be holy, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one without holiness, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, I listened carefully to his sermon, and it was a wonderful sermon. He was energetic. He was entertaining. And everyone was saying, Amen, 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 agreeing with him. There was just one problem. He never truly addressed the question of their sin. He spoke in general terms about the sin and said we must be holy. But what did that mean? How are we to be holy? You know, I find people don't mind at all if I talk about sin. People don't mind if I talk about being holy. Everyone agrees we should be holy. Everyone agrees that we can't be perfect, however. So let's let's be patient with one another and let's not deal with anything too specific about sin. I remember one gregarious, outspoken, wonderful man who contacted me and asked if we could have lunch together. Yes, 
be happy to sit with you and, and talk without about the gospel. So we sat down and we began to talk about the gospel. He was very enthused about holiness. He was very enthused about the message that he'd heard me preach on holiness, on being righteous, on leaving sin. And then the next day on the radio, I began to address the question of loving the world's entertainment. And specifically, I talked about the wickedness I see in our culture with men, particularly, sitting down and several hours in the evening watching the football game, watching the baseball game, watching great source of, of gambling, of wickedness. It has nothing to do with Jesus. It's just worldly entertainment. And I spoke against these things. And the man called me on the telephone. He said, Pastor, are you sure you want to take a stand against football? He said, my son, who's 19, came to me and said, Dad, I listened to the message the pastor gave. And he says that it's sin to sit down and watch a football game and to follow and to, and to enjoy the game. Is that true, Dad? Do you think it's sin? And he said, I told my son, I think you misunderstood the pastor. I'll call him and ask. I said, no, sir, you didn't misunderstand me. It's very clear that Jesus will not have a football league or a baseball team in heaven. It's clear that no gambling will go on in heaven. He said, I just can't agree with you on this. So thank you for talking. And he hung up, and I've never heard from him again. Am I surprised? No. When we begin to identify those areas of our lives where we do not remain. See, there's another passage of Scripture. Let me read it for you. In John, the 15th chapter. Remain in me. This is verse 4. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Oh, wait. He's saying, if you don't remain in me, I won't remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain or abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. What if you are not bearing much fruit? What if you're not speaking the gospel? to men and women, and no one is coming to Jesus because of your testimony. It's because you have a covenant with death. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But that covenant with death has to be canceled. It's a, a delusion. It's living like the world and acting like the world and being filled with worldliness. 
oh, maybe, maybe it's from the tree of the knowledge of good, but it's still darkness. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now it's very clear. Jesus is telling us that we must Remain in him. Now that that brings us to this very painful and difficult subject that Isaiah raises in Isaiah 28. Let me read it for you. It is this covenant with death. These stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. You understand, he's not necessarily speaking of physical wine, but the wine of the world. But it's also physical wine and beer. They reel from beer. They stagger when seeing visions. They stumble when rendering decisions. All the tables are covered with vomit and there's not a spot without filth. We're looking now at the American church today. Who is he trying to teach? To whom is he explaining his message? To children weaned from their milk? To those just taken from the breast? For it is do and do, do and do, rule on rule, rule on rule, a little here, a little there. What's he saying? In the Hebrew, that's baby talk. The pulpits of America are filled with baby talk. Have you ever heard of baby talk? Da, da, do, 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 da, 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 da. And the adult copies da, da, do, do. That's what Isaiah is saying. Those who are supposed to be pastors and priests and prophets... They're speaking baby talk because they're drunk. They're drunk on the world. 
You see, it's okay if I speak about holiness and if I speak about sin. But when I begin to speak about where we are remaining today, many of you are remaining. Many of you are remaining in the worldly entertainment of our day. The movies, the internet games. Many of you are remaining in the television, and you're drunk, and your pastors are drunk. And he's saying, this is a covenant with death, and that covenant has to be broken. Some of you remain in the refrigerator. You're always eating. You're vastly overweight. When was the last time you fasted for a day or five days or ten days? No, we don't like to fast. It's uncomfortable. Your stomach growls. We like to satiate ourselves. If you remain in the lust for money, If you remain in the lust for food, if you remain in the lust for entertainment, you are not remaining in Jesus Christ, and you will not bear much fruit. I know some very pious people who remain in their work. What is it that you think most often about? What captures your mind when you're home in the evening, then that's where you're remaining. Is work always on your mind? Is that what you're always doing? Then you remain in your work. You are called to remain in Jesus, not your work. Very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to his people to whom he said, this is the resting place. Let the weary rest. This is the place of repose. If you look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it speaks about the rest. There yet remains a rest for God's people. What's he talking about? He's using the Sabbath day from the old covenant. He's using the Sabbath day from the Decalogue. And he's talking about a change, that that Sabbath represents the person of Jesus Christ. And literally, the word rest in the Hebrew and in the Greek means to cease, but it means more than that. It means the place of repose. It means the bedroom God is saying, we can enter into his bedroom, and there the weary can rest, a place of repose, a place of lying down. But they would not listen, Isaiah says. So then the word of the Lord to them will become do and do, do and do, rule on rule, rule on rule, a little here, a little there. But in the Hebrew, it literally is saying baby talk. 
He's saying the word of the Lord will become just baby talk to you. And so the pastors of America today talk about strategies for success. Most focus on felt needs, not on spiritual needs. The result is it's baby talk. It's milk. And we never grow up in discerning righteousness because righteousness, according to Hebrews, is the meat. And the writer of Hebrews urges us to go forward in the meat. That is, in remaining in Jesus not in baby talk. It says, so that they will go and fall backward, be injured, snared, and captured. It says, after you've had a diet of milk, after you've had a diet of baby talk, in the end, you will think you are going forward, but you're going to fall backwards. In other words, you're going to become captive to your sin. You're going to be injured in the spirit. You're going to be snared and captured by wickedness because you have not been trained by the meat of the word to discern right from wrong. And so you like the baby talk. And the baby talk does not address the vital questions of your daily behavior and what you remain in. Some of you remain in bitterness, in judgments, in accusations. Some of you remain in self-righteousness, and you cut off those who disagree with you. You make these baby talk judgments. It's terrifying because you will finally fall backward into your sin. It will come rushing back into your life, and you will be injured and snared and captured by the devil because you have a covenant with death. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. You boast, we have entered into a covenant with death. With the grave, we have made an agreement. Now, what is this covenant with death that Isaiah is speaking about? Isaiah 28, verse 15. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us. Look, Laodicea 101, I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm saved. Am I sinning? Oh, yes, I still sin. Really? What were you saved from? Were you saved from your sin? Are you remaining in Jesus? Are you solid in Jesus? Or are you filling your heart with the husks of the world? Are you, are you remaining in Jesus or have you left Jesus and you come back to him when it's convenient? And you listen to the sermon and it's baby talk. You can't remember when you walk out of church what you just heard. 
It has no significance and no meaning for how you actually are going to live your life. You're going to live your life on your own terms. You've made an agreement with death. The scourge will sweep by, but it can't touch me. I'm saved. For we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. Or false gods our hiding place. That's the covenant with death. Now, what do we do with that? Well, for one, we have to begin examining, taking inventory of our lives and ask the question, have I remained in Jesus? Time, energy, money. Do I remain in Jesus? Do I bear much fruit? If I don't, what do I need to do? What do I need to cut out of my heart and my life? Some of you have friendships where you go sit down with someone else, another group of men, perhaps, as one group of leaders from a local church get together once a week to gamble, smoke cigars, have a man party. Well, that's a hindrance to any spiritual growth in a church. If you were a pastor of that church, would you address those leaders of your church and risk their becoming angry and cutting you off and voting to fire you because you're interfering with the fellowship of the church? A group of men come together and they have a fellowship dinner once a week. What's the topic of conversation at the fellowship? Fishing? Baseball? Football? Is the topic Jesus and how to walk clean with him? No. Is the topic how can we pray for one another and gain the victory? No. It's fellowship. It's laughing. It's joking. It's It's talking about the jokes that we pass back and forth on the internet. As a man gets a a good joke, he sends it out to everybody on the list. What is this? It's wickedness. It destroys remaining in Jesus. So... How do I remain? By allowing Jesus to hold the very center of my heart and my being where he is the one I think about. He is the one I walk like. He is the one I talk about. Wherever I go, I talk about Jesus. I ask people, A waiter came to my table 
in a restaurant. First question out of my mouth. Hi, how are you with Jesus today? He looked at me. He was not shocked. He's become accustomed to my asking him such questions. He said, I'm okay. I said, oh, you're just okay. So you've not been reading your Bible, have you? No. Maybe once a week. Been watching television? Oh, yeah. Every night? Yeah. How's that man going to ever walk into the kingdom of Jesus Christ? He calls himself a Christian. But in fact, he's a pagan. He does not remain in Jesus. He's always changing. He's always moving around, posturing, positioning for the next big success. How can he be found in Jesus when he doesn't remain in Jesus? Money is the number one topic on his heart. Entertainment is the second big topic on his heart. And way down on the list is Jesus, with no personal piety. How is he ever going to enter the kingdom of God? He's not. Without a dramatic change in his life, he is hail fellow well met, a quick joke to anyone he meets. Everybody laughs as he comes because they know he's going to have a very sharp wit. But he doesn't know Jesus because he's not remained in Jesus. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone. You know who Isaiah is referring to. Jesus is that cornerstone. A precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. I will make justice the measuring line and the righteousness the plumb line. What is that? Well, a plumb line is when you hang a weight from a ceiling or from something you want a straight line down. A measuring line. I was just hanging pictures on the walls in my new place where I live. I had to use a ruler to do that, a a tape measure. Measuring. A measuring line. Justice and righteousness. Hail will sweep away your refuge, the lie, and water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the grave will not stand when the overwhelming scourge sweeps by. You will be beaten down by it. The Lord is saying, look, you're fooling yourself if you think you can live like the world, act like the world, and still remain in Jesus. You can't do that. You've made a lie your refuge and falsehood your hiding place. So what's on your mind? Oh, I want to travel. 
I want to enjoy life. I'm looking forward to the day I can retire. Really? What are you going to retire from? And what are you going to retire to? I'm 75 years old. I'm not going to ever retire. I have a full-time job. And that job is the work of the kingdom of God. Now, you can change jobs. You can put your 20 years in the military. And then you change jobs. But the primary job remains the same. And that is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Your primary job remains the same, to serve the Lord God of heaven wherever you are as a place of ministry and compassion to win the lost. You know, I've had people come to me who who talk eloquently about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. But I don't see evidence in their lives that they walk in the kingdom of God. They remain in all kinds of places with all kinds of people, but have no holiness. See, remaining in Jesus is not a matter of what I just say. It's a matter of what I do. Do I seek after the Lord Jesus Christ with all of my strength, all of my mind, all of my power? Do I seek Jesus? Does he consume my very best thoughts? Is my focus on Jesus? Now, let me be very specific with you. Part of what must happen, we must examine all that we do and everywhere we go and ask the question, why am I going there? And what am I expecting? When I go to that place where I feel comfortable, am I drawn closer to Jesus? Or am I separated from Jesus because I'm not with him? Am I consciously with Jesus in all that I do and all that I say? Am I conscious that I'm in the presence of the Almighty God, that he is examining my heart, and that he is pleased with what he finds there? Some of you want to go shopping for entertainment. Is Jesus pleased? Does it draw you closer to him? Some of you want to go out and eat in a restaurant. There's nothing wrong with that. But my question is, as you go to that restaurant, are you there to testify that Jesus is the Christ? Are you there to love and minister to people? Are you there 
at the direction of the Lord? Or are you there because you abide in your food and you remain in your food and you gorge? I've seen people sit down in a restaurant and spend 45 minutes looking and salivating over every item on the menu before finally deciding what they will order. I've seen other people sit down many different settings, even with their husband or wife or children, and they immediately take out their telephone because they abide, they remain in their telephone. They ignore the people that are close to them, that are with them. Their only interest is something, someone, in the idol called the cell phone. I've been getting a great deal of joy out of purposely leaving my cell phone in the study and going out to do whatever it is I need to do without the cell phone. Well, but pastor, what if you have a flat tire? Well, what did they do about flat tires before they had cell phones? What if your car breaks down? Well, what did they do before they had cell phones? Cell phones are not essential to our to our life. But some of you treat them as though they are. You dwell in your cell phone, not in Jesus. Do you understand that's idolatry? That's wickedness? You see, I can I can talk about holiness all day and, and you won't be offended. But when we begin to talk about your lust for shopping, or your lust for new tools, or your lust for the cigars, or the gambling, or the travel. We begin to talk about those places you like to abide that are not in Jesus. Oh, now, pastor, you're stepping on my toes. You better back off. I'm going to turn you off. Okay, turn me off. The fact still remains, you either remain in Jesus or you remain outside of Jesus and you bear no fruit. You bear no fruit. He says... When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. And as often as it comes, it will carry you away morning after morning, day by day, day and night, it will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. The bed is too short to stretch out on the blanket, too narrow to wrap around you. If you understand what I'm saying today, it may terrify you because you love the things of this world and not the things of God. You love your work, your play, 
You love your food, your sports, your entertainment. And you say, I love Jesus, but you don't remain in him. You know, I love lemon meringue pie. It's been a long time since I had a delicious piece of lemon meringue pie. Why? Because I don't, I don't remain in pie. I love ice cream. It's been months since I've had any ice cream. Why? Because I don't remain there. I love kayaking. I love to bike. It's been a long time since I've been able to do either. Why? Because I don't remain there. I try to take a walk every day. But that's not where I remain either. In all that I do, my heart is lifted up to the glorious God of heaven, to the almighty King of kings. So whatever I do, I do to glorify his name. So when I do have a piece of wonderful lemon meringue pie, I'm thanking him for this wonderful gift that he's given to me. I'm praising him for it because he's the center, not the pie. So what is the center for you? If you begin to understand that the scourge is going to sweep by and strip you of all of those things that you have made gods of, and you are going to be left hanging out to dry like a flagstaff, a flag on a flagstaff, flapping in the wind, speaking baby talk, because there's no moral righteousness in you. There's no justice in your heart. There's no righteousness in your life. You blow with the wind. You don't remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these, yes, it's love, but the greater one is to remain, to remain in Jesus. Because faith, hope, and love flow out of the heart of Jesus. The Lord will rise up as he did on Mount Perizim. He will rouse himself as in the valley of Gibeon to do his work, his strange work, and perform his task, his alien task. Now stop mocking, or your chains will become heavier. The Lord, the Lord Almighty has told me of the destruction decreed against the whole land. There is destruction declared against America. And if we do not quickly repent, our land will be torn asunder with bitter racial strife or even nuclear bombs and war. The answer is not to be found in politicians. The answer is to be found 
in Jesus Christ and remaining in him and cutting out everything that does not fit with remaining in Jesus so that our conversation is holy conversation wherever we go. We're not seeing what we can get away with. We're not compromising with the world or with darkness. We're not allowing entertainment to come into our church homes. We're not allowing concerts for money in our church, making it a den of thieves. We're not doing those things. We're not removing the cross of Jesus. We're not going to stop saying, please give for the work of the gospel. We're not going to say those things. If they're offensive to you, it's because your life is worldly. It is a pleasure to sacrifice for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Is that how you walk? You know, this passage is so powerful. Over here in in Malachi. Listen. So I will come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, or liars, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widow, the fatherless, who deprive aliens of justice, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return. I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. Well, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, and the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. understand I'm not trying to talk about tithing I'm trying to talk about the very practical everyday application of abiding in Jesus of remaining in him yes with tithes and offerings with food with entertainment with with whatever it is that draws our heart to follow its own path, its own course, away from Jesus. What are you doing today that will draw your heart into the heart of Jesus Christ? Be very practical. 
We're out of time for today. We'll continue this tomorrow. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. You're welcome to write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go online, and I want to thank those of you who have just done this. Thank you so much. I so treasure you. Go online. You can give online to support this broadcast. It's a a by-faith broadcast. I have no means to support it. I am totally given to the Lord. I don't take salary from the National Prayer Chapel. My eyes are on Jesus, and He cares for me. So all that you give will go to cover the cost of the radio broadcast. We have to buy this time from Weva each month. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk soon.